0: Hey, everybody. This is the Social Pros Podcast. I am Jay Bear, founder of Convince and Convert, joined again by my special Texas friend. He is in the great city of Austin by way of Tennessee. He is the executive strategist for Salesforce Marketing Cloud. He is Mr. Adam Brown, my friend. How are you?
1: Thanks are great. It's, it's May in Austin, Texas, so it hasn't gotten hot yet. Great time. And we just uh, got done with one of the funnier uh, podcasts that we've had the opportunity to record in the 300 and what, 17, at least you have done now.
0: Yes, a lot. Yeah, what a a great show. Sarah O'Grady joined us this week. She's the head of global social strategy for Lenovo, which of course is an enormous technology company. They make a lot of stuff, perhaps best known for laptops, but they make a lot of other products. She has a very large team. They have 260, 260 social handles that 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 they're managing. Uh, But we talked a lot in this episode uh, about her background and and her brand new content and social execution called Extreme IT, where they actually took uh, team members from Lenovo and, and essentially tortured them uh, <laughs> for for content marketing purposes. It's really great stuff. Uh, it's great content. Uh, Sarah is super smart and uh, and has a pretty interesting background too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, not only her experience there at Lenovo, but you know, towards the end, we talk about some of the things that she did uh, right during college, uh, being on one of the most famous game shows of all time, and then working as an intern for one of the most famous uh, national radio shows of all time.
0: Yeah, it's a really terrific episode. You're going to like this one very, very much. Uh, a very smart woman and pretty hilarious as well. Sarah O'Grady, head of global social strategy at Lenovo, is our guest this week on the Social Pros podcast. Enjoy it. This is Jay Baer from Convince and Convert. Welcome to season six of Social Pros. If you want to learn how big companies succeed with social media, you found the perfect podcast. The show is brought to you by Salesforce Marketing Cloud, inspiring one-to-one connections with your customers through social, mobile, and email, web, and advertising. The show is also brought to you by Yext, whose award-winning location management platform helps companies of all sizes drive more foot traffic to their doors and get more customer reviews. And by Convince & Convert, social media strategy advisors and counselors to the world's most interesting brands. Convince & Convert makes your social better. My co-host for the show is Adam Brown. Find all links, archives, and more at socialpros.com. Are you ready? Let's get to work. Hello, Social Pros listeners. This is Jay Bear. Quick note on the sponsors of this week's episode, our friends at Salesforce Marketing Cloud. Here to tell you that social is more important than ever for B2B marketers, yet some have a hard time using it effectively. And measuring results. A new complete guide from our friends at Salesforce will help you. It's called The Complete Guide to Social Media for B2B Marketers. And it reveals the best types of content for each segment of your funnel. It allows you to discover the role of, of metrics, social listening, and engagement strategies in elevating your message and your results. Go to bit.ly slash social b 2 b guide. That's bit.ly slash social b, the number two, b, guide. To download it right now, all lowercase. Thanks so much, my friends at Salesforce. Also this week, our pals at TechSmith, man, those guys make it so easy to create professional videos, professional images. They've got tools like Snagit, Camtasia, which I use literally every single day, to create videos, screencasts, uh, screenshots for presentations. If you need to share your campaign results with people who aren't familiar with all the stuff we talk about here on Social Pros, you can use Snagit to screenshot those things into awesome presentations for other people in your organization. If you need to make videos, and obviously social video is hugely important now, but you don't have a whole video production team, Camtasia is geared to people who have never made a video before. And I got to tell you, it is super duper easy. Communicating with visuals like screenshots and video is seriously easy with TechSmith, visit TechSmith.com slash to learn more. TechSmith.com slash And this week, the show is also brought to you by Brandwatch. As you all know, thousands and thousands of posts and images are shared online every single second. There's never been more social data available to us all. As the world's leading enterprise social listening platform, Brandwatch helps thousands of brands and agencies like ours, like yours, make sense of that data. With Brandwatch, you can get analyst-level insights at the click of a single button, find the right influencers, optimize your campaigns in real time, improve your marketing ROI with data-powered competitor benchmarking, immediate crisis alerts, and ads that are proven to convert. Make the most out of your marketing. Visit brandwatch.com slash socialpros. That's brandwatch.com slash socialpros and see how Brandwatch will help you Keep a pulse on your customers, your campaigns, and your competitors. Sarah O'Grady, Head of a Global Social Strategy at Lenovo, welcome to Social Pros.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Now, I've got to say, we, we ask all of our guests, this is episode 316, so we've asked many people to fill out a short questionnaire before the show just to give us some insights, some ideas about what they like, what they don't like, how they're doing in social. And I'm going to go ahead, for the first time ever in the history of the show, <laughs> and read, read the audience your job description, because uh, we ask people, what is your job description? Here's, here's what Sarah said. In boring LinkedIn terms, I own the development of an operational framework to execute a world-class social media strategy that engages, drives conversations, helps us reach new audiences and target markets, and ultimately makes Lenovo a culturally vibrant brand. In reality, a day in the life of me would include spending at least two hours struggling to make my decks look pretty, reviewing insights and writing a creative brief, meeting with our social team to review content calendars for the week, and hopping on a plane to film out of a dirty warehouse in Brooklyn, where we sick and attack dog on a fellow employee, all in the name of explaining the voice command feature. I'm just going to clap that up right there. There you go.
1: Bravo.
0: Uh, After I read that, I had to do a little bit more stalking. I realized that you are a copywriter by background originally. And that was uh, exceptionally well done. So thank you for making uh, our, our jobs easier when we're doing the research on you. So let's start, since I, since I mentioned about the attack dog, we probably should get right into that. Otherwise, people are like, what is he talking about An attack dog? Let's talk about extreme uh, IT, your brand new content and social initiative, which is making all kinds of waves in the industry, all kinds of people chattering about it. It's amazing. Why don't, you, why don't we start there? We'll work backwards.
2: Thank you. Um, yeah, that's a good place to start. It's uh, a really exciting program that I've been living and breathing <laughs> for um, at least about a year now. Uh, so to see it come to fruition and actually be able to hit publish on some of this content um, is is a really good feeling. And getting the feedback that we've received on it is is even better. In a nutshell, Extreme IT. You know, the genesis of this was you know how could we create disruptive content, which is always kind of our, you know, starter on our brief. And, you know, how can we create disruptive content and explain tech concepts that people, you know, maybe don't understand? Um, we make a lot of assumptions that they understand, you know, when we list out specs on products and things like that. But, you know, the reality is people, general pop doesn't really understand how a lot of this stuff works. So how do we explain these things um, in a way that's very different? Um, that's captivating. That's you know a combination of of education, but also entertainment. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, we all just want to be entertained. So for everything, you know, we want to learn. Um, the more you know, you can entertain somebody and, and you know capture their attention. You know, the better off we all we are as a brand. So that's really the genesis.
0: And you have, I think, three, as we're recording this in May, I think you have three executions of the extreme IT idea uh, finished, and, and I think there's more rolling out. So one, the one I mentioned in the introduction, is actually a real uh, attack dog, like a vicious uh, attack dog, which, which you do sick on a fellow employee who's wearing one of those dog-proof kind of handler suits and, and while she's being attacked, she explains uh, the, the sort of technology behind the voice command feature. You have another one where an employee uh, 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 eats really, really hot salsa uh, and describes some other technical feature. I, I love it. So, how did, you, how, did, how did you go about recruiting actual team members, like, hey, which of you wants to be attacked by the dog? That seems like a, a
2: tough yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, well it's funny, you know, when I say describe doing this, you know, in a way that's different and, you know, decidedly us, you know, that's really where leveraging employees comes into play because, you know, it's it's easy to go out and and cast somebody, cast an actor to Explain these things to memorize a script and to eat hot salsa and and then you know get a paycheck at the end and walk away and and there you have your video. But you know what what really got us all excited was this idea of using our own employees. You know we are a global tech company. We are you know a bunch of nerds at the end of the day who love technology. Who you know live, breathe, sleep, you know, eat technology. This is just, you know, our what we love. And so, you know, how do we let how do we use that to our advantage? How do we let these employees be the ones who actually you know, the employees who actually work on these technologies in these different divisions or business units, let them be the actual ones to bring this to life. And so, you know, we weren't totally sure at first, you know, what this was what the turnout was going to be like on a casting. We we put out an internal um, call through our internal comms email. And, you know, we had this, this whole casting call set up, show up, you know, within this three hour window and, um, explain one of these concepts to us in a, a different and an interesting way. Give us those aha moments. And, you know, we weren't sure if we were going to get, you know, anybody. Um, but we, we had a camera on a tripod set up in a conference room. And um, sure enough, we had a line of employees down the hallway. Um, some of them stood in that line for two hours to actually try out to give us their 15-minute spiel on you know, what is voice command, um, you know, how, uh, how does 5G work. Um, you know what? What is five G? How how do we you know manage temperature control in our in our laptops? It was fascinating, and you know we got a, a, a wide range of employees from different areas of the business, um, and it really was just this light bulb moment for us where we said, you know. Not not only do we feel really confident that this is a good idea, but our employees are really excited about being part of this. And at the time, they didn't even know what they were signing up for. I mean, we basically positioned this as, you know, you'll be doing, you'll be you'll we'll put you under duress. you'll potentially be doing this in an extreme scenario. We didn't really give them a whole lot more detail than that during the casting. You know, certainly when they had to sign their general release, they got a little bit more information, but we really wanted to leave some of this. Um, you know, as a surprise for them on set because we wanted that natural reaction. We wanted to film this one, you know, one and done and really, you know, capture that emotion and that, that raw energy.
1: Finding that way to get your employees or associates involved in a program like this, I think is, is a challenge for, for, for a lot of brands. I mean, there's the, the legal aspect of it. And as you said, doing the casting, call and all that, it sounds like, Sarah, you've, you've, you've exceeded um, exponentially with that level. Now, how do you keep all of those employees involved as well? How do you kind of transition them from being the actors and actresses in your engagement to being your ambassadors and, and going out there and sharing this content on your behalf?
2: That's a really interesting segue into employee advocacy, and I think that you know it's sort of one of these you know buzzword you know buzz terms right now that we're all um, sort of captivated with because you know we see the algorithm shifts in social and we see how little you know runway our money gets us, our paid media budgets get us, and you know our employees are our best advocates. We all know that it's not new. So you know looking at this as sort of a a, a component of an employee advocacy program where you know our, our employees start to feel really proud of where they work. There's you know this badge of honor where it's not just you know, being an engineer, but you know, being a badass engineer who can you know explain their their area of expertise under duress is really interesting. And you know, when we um, ran the second casting a couple of months ago for the next three uh, episodes, again, not totally sure. Now that three episodes were in market, were we going to get employees you know showing up and and wanting to participate in this? Um, and again, we did. And you know, I think that it's a really interesting angle for employee advocacy. You know, it's really easy to sort of create content um, as we generally do, and and ask our employees in a variety of ways and different formats or on in different venues to share that content to help us sort of amplify that message. But you know, it, it's a lot more interesting for them when their coworkers are the ones who are involved in the content, not just behind it but in front of it, and you know, they also have an opportunity to be a part of that. I think it just gets everybody that much more excited. Um, so it, it's really been, you know, an interesting um, program for us so far. Um, you know, we just filmed the next three, uh, the, the second round of, of episodes last week, um, which I'm even more excited about if you thought the first three uh, were extreme, got another thing coming. Um, we have taken it to another level.
0: It's like, it's like fear factor uh, meets explainer video. If you need, I know Adam yeah, and I, yeah. I know Adam and I don't work there, but if you need podcast hosts under duress, like <laughs> Adam, Adam is going to be I'm like for chomped, it, right? chomped by a gator while he describes something highly technical, uh, you, you just let us know. You've come to the right place. Absolutely. Wolverines.
2: Wolverines.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> so you mentioned in, in your answer there, as you sort of touched on it, that uh, with with Facebook algorithms changing, et cetera, uh, you know you have gone on record saying that you feel like the value of Facebook to brands is is slipping, uh, and that you're actually putting more time and effort into LinkedIn now. And I thought it'd be great to to hear that from your perspective as a major brand, as a technology brand, and kind of compare and contrast those two
2: definitely. the The love affair with facebook is is coming to an end, you know for a lot of us in marketing and and consumers in general, I think, you know this, this Cambridge Analytica uh, news really um, threw everybody for a loop. And I think, you know, even beyond that, now being able to, you know, download our data from Facebook and see, you know, everything that's been stored and and captured along the way is giving people a lens into, you know, just social in general and and kind of the trust that we put into these platforms um, to do the right thing. And, you know, as a brand it's really hard you know we question um, the data a lot uh, a lot of times and you know it, it's it's sort of the last six months or so sort of um, you know pushed us to look at the other platforms and and see where there are strengths that we maybe haven't uncovered yet and see if there were opportunities that maybe we're missing. Um, you know, Instagram is certainly an important channel. I I would say, you know, don't underestimate Instagram. I know that, you know, it's, it's owned by Facebook. And so it's a little bit of a pot meat kettle, but you know, it is an interesting um, channel. And, um, I think LinkedIn is another one where, you know, we, have historically looked at linkedin as a recruiting platform or as a thought leadership platform but i really think that there's a lot more potential than that i think that you know going back to that notion of of everybody wanting to be entertained you know whether you're an it decision maker at a company and you're potentially purchasing you know a, a servers, you're looking for, you know, a a partner, um, to, to to purchase servers or laptops for your employees, um, or you're, you know, a, a marketing manager at another company and you're looking, you know, potentially at opportunities or other, other companies, um, or you're just, again, putting yourself out there, you know, and, and, um, wanting to be a thought leader in your space, LinkedIn you know, if you look at your feeds and the type of content historically that people are pushing on that platform, you know, it's pretty, it's become pretty stagnant. So being a, a, a brand that's willing to take a risk in that, in that, area and you know put some content out there that's different and shocking and you know disruptive thumb stopping that was really interesting to us and and we really you know the turn for us came with this extreme it content where we said you know we've got x amount of money to spend in paid media and you know the obvious solution is to you know go to facebook and and dump a bunch of money into facebook do some ab testing and um you know youtube and things like that and and at the, at the end of it, we just kind of said, you know, LinkedIn is, is this shiny object that I think we really, you know, need to start focusing on. It's got some, you know, dust on it, but there's something interesting there. And, you know, we, we went, you know, with this, this paid campaign, um, with native video in feed. Um, it was a bit of a pilot, um, with LinkedIn to do this. And the sentiment was fascinating to me. You know, we all know Facebook has become just a cesspool, right? You know, it's really hard for a brand to um, glean anything valuable um, when it comes to to sentiment on Facebook. Um, Twitter is is in that same vein, but you know, LinkedIn the sentiment was overwhelmingly positive for this content. Mm. Um, it was really an interesting learning for us, where. We said there's an appetite for this type of content there's an appetite for different you know different approaches entertainment edutainment there's there's an appetite here so let's go with it
1: I'm fascinated by that, the idea that you're using LinkedIn not just to reach technical professionals, you know, you know, your, your systems engineers, your, your actual you know, fleet and large enterprise-type customers, but also those folks who are probably a little bit more on the, on the consumer or a small-medium business side. I'm curious, A, Sarah, if that's the case, and B, if that is, do you see this, you know, as you kind of look out in your crystal ball for the next 12 to 16 months, kind of a path forward for, uh, for LinkedIn and Microsoft?
2: you know i do and and the way i look at it is you know we're all consumers at the end of the day we're all consumers so whether you're an it decision maker and you spend 9 to 5 you know thinking about servers you know in large scale solutions you still are a consumer and at home you have a laptop and you're buying a phone and a tablet for your kids and each part of, of us and you know linkedin has historically been looked at as this professional platform but you know, we are all consumers. And so there's no reason why, you know, an IT decision maker won't be interested in, you know, being served up content from, you know, that's not just B2B focused, um, you know, sales driven content, but is actually entertaining. I mean, why wouldn't they want to be entertained? So yeah, you know, I think that the short answer is yes, you know, we are Really intrigued with the potential there, and I think that you know we haven't unlocked it yet. I think there's some learnings that we have from this first round of this campaign, and I'm excited to kind of dig into some of um, the learnings there and the data there, and figure out how we approach this next set, and you know just just continue kind of playing in that in that space.
0: Sarah, do you think the the LinkedIn approach is easier from a social governance standpoint or harder? I know you have a preponderance of, of social media channels. I think you told us 260 social handles uh, globally that, that you and your team are responsible for. Does, does LinkedIn as a, as a primary content distribution mechanism make that easier? Because I suspect uh, many of those social handles are, are, are Twitter, Facebook, and fewer of them are LinkedIn pages. Um, what's the implication for that, if any?
2: I guess, you know, in some ways that remains to be seen. I think that we don't, we don't really have a fear that it will become the same sort of space that Facebook and Twitter have become in terms of a social support, um, you know, platform. I don't think that, um, that's where people are going to get, you know, help or find out when the next Android update is, is coming. Um, you know, so from an e services or social support perspective, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not terribly concerned about that. I think so many of our resources have to go into um, Facebook and Twitter um, in terms of you know response, um, you know, for um, support and service issues. Um, Community management is, you know, really important to us as a brand. You know, we are big on banter. I think that LinkedIn provides an opportunity for that. It's going to be interesting to see how we sort of evolve that with the audience there being, you know, a a much um, more premium audience that is a healthy mix of, you know, that that consumer and that professional, that potential, you know, customer um, from a a sales or, or professional standpoint.
1: You mentioned customer care, and I can imagine, Sarah, and, and knowing just a little bit about this, too, since, you know, for three years, I, uh, I led social at Dell. Um, customer care and that intersection of those types of posts and marketing posts, as well as customer service and, you know, more consideration funnel purchase type uh, conversations is a tricky space. And I'm curious in the uh, six or seven years since I've been doing it for a technology company. How has that changed? How are you working with customer service? Um, Or have you said, listen, you know, we're responsible primarily for the publishing, um, but the engagement and the responses is being handled by a separate team or organization?
2: Yeah, so it is actually the latter. It's, you know, we have an e-services team that is an arm of our customer support division. And so they have staff that um, speak a variety of languages that are able to um, pull in, you know, the, those inquiries, those complaints, those issues into, you know, a system and respond to them, you know, quickly pull that into a DM quickly. But that is not, you know, that we we are fairly um, separated from that. You know, we manage, my team manages the community management aspect of it, which is, you know, the forward facing and, and the banter aspect. And, you know, we really try to pull a lot of the um, customer support offline as quickly as possible because, you know, it can be pretty disruptive. And, you know, when you're trying to engage and, you know, at the end of the day, we're really trying to create um, relationships and, and engage with our consumers. So, you know, we certainly, um, you know, want to handle those, those um, inquiries and those, those, service complaints. But, you know, we pull that offline as quickly as possible.
1: From your vantage point, is that social customer care taking place primarily on Twitter now? Or are you seeing that even move? We mentioned LinkedIn and and messaging and things like that. Are you starting to see social, social customer care start to take place in other places? Or is Twitter still that primary customer care venue?
2: Twitter and Facebook for us yeah. um, are, are really the primary places for that. Yeah. I, you know, like I said, I don't think LinkedIn, you know, and maybe that will change, you know, if LinkedIn does evolve as a platform that, you know, it, it, as, a, as a platform for brands to have a broader type, uh, a broader sort of portfolio of content that they're sharing, you know, that could change. But, you know, I, I think that, because of the premium nature, because of the, just the nature, the professional nature of that platform, you're going to see a lot less of that, um, in that environment.
0: So you've talked about the element of surprise in your social content, that ability to stop the thumb, to to disrupt patterns uh, amongst your audience. Do you feel like that is now a requirement to succeed in social, or is it only a requirement for technology companies or brands of your scope and scale? And, and I guess the reason I ask that is that if everybody is trying to be disruptive, then, then, is nobody able to be disruptive right? I, I just I don't know where that I don't know where that ends, right? Maybe it's circular logic, but um I don't disagree in in a vacuum, and I just wonder where where we're headed.
2: I think that thumb stopping content is incredibly important, and not just for the technology sector. I think that we you know we all need to be sort of looking at our content differently, you know by by being there, there are so many different ways that we can be disruptive, right? It's not like there's one sort of formula for that. So the, the idea that, you know, if, if everybody's disruptive, nobody is, you know, I think that we have a a long way to go before we get to that saturation point. You know, we're, we're already at a place where, you know, content is not going anywhere. The, the quantity of content is just massive. I mean, you know, Instagram users are posting almost 50,000 photos a minute. Um, you know YouTube videos. There's a, over four million YouTube videos watched every minute. You know, it's content is being consumed at incredible rates. I think the the bigger issue is quality. You know, we talk about content and people. You know, pushing this this notion of more, 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 and needing to really have these robust content calendars where you know you're building out just you're you're spending so much money and so so many resources on building so much content that it's going to be really hard for you know that content to break through if you instead you know if you instead really focused your energies and and looked at you know fewer bigger bolder pieces and and how do you create derivative content you know how do you how do you make that content work harder for you i think you know then things start to get interesting and you know for us it's you know, it's really important to to sort of figure out how to break through the noise and and you know, create that brand awareness. I mean, we are the number one. We, we're one of the, the the top technology companies in the world, and you know, a lot of people in some of our key markets have never heard of us. I mean, that's that's a very um, interesting problem to have, but you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> we have to break through the clutter and we don't have the paid media budgets. We don't have the advertising budgets that some of our competitors do. So we really have to be scrappy and we have to figure out how to cut through that noise. Um, you know, but I think that it's, it's important, um, to understand too, that, you know, the more content that's created, the less engagements content overall is going to start to have, you know, it it is that, that idea of oversaturation. And so, you know, really think about what you're producing and, you know, be smart about it, be smart about your resources and know that because, you know, the the landscape is just growing at such an incredible rate and everybody's trying to, you know, fight for the same audiences at this point, um, you know, that, that, you're, you're not going to be able to increase numbers year over year the way we once, you know, did. And, and I don't personally think that matters much. I think, you know, again, it's, it's, quality over quantity. And and so that's really the approach that we're taking. And
0: that reflects in in how you measure effectiveness of social overall, right? So, so how you, the kind of key performance indicators that, that you're paying attention to as the leader of the group, I presume the same kind of metrics that you're reporting up to your bosses, you're starting to think less about overall engagement and overall audience size and more about quality interactions and contributions of social to, to leads and sales, et cetera. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. We're, you know, we're really um, focused on stressing quality over quantity, on being able to really identify what's working and, and optimize that content accordingly rather than just continue to churn out new content. Um, we have to be able to justify our, our cost effect ratio um, and really start to show measurable results, um, you know, in what we're doing. So, you know, our... Um, KPIs this year have shifted from being really heavily focused on vanity metrics and and now more focused on things like video views on focused on things like being able to provide retargeting metrics to our um, geos and and regions you know and and overall improving our brand health, which I think is is something that 's really important, and so we 'll be measuring that through. Um, you know, net promoter score and brand lift studies that we'll be doing with um, partners like YouTube and, and LinkedIn.
1: One thing I wanted to ask you about, Sarah, you mentioned in, in our, our pre-show discussion that you and the social team kind of have three homerooms, if you will, uh, home homeroom in communications, one in brand and one in digital. And I'm curious how that impacts that whole KPI and, and ROI discussion, because each of those teams Typically, looks at success in a slightly different way. How do you kind of approach that, and have you gotten everyone to kind of agree on what's the one or two or three things that social has to achieve? And when you do that, that is considered success.
2: Yeah, you know, it, it's that's an interesting you know point that you raise, and it's one that we've struggled with for the last couple of years because you know our content creation, our production budget, our content budget sat in a different place than our paid media budget and our KPIs were, were different. You know, my KPIs were, you know, to create top funnel content and, you know, ultimately make Lenovo famous where the KPIs of the team that, you know, owned the paid media budget, you know, they were tasked with increasing engagement numbers year over year. So they were buying Really inexpensive audiences in some of our, you know, less um, important, less key, you know, not our key markets, basically. So, you know, we were kind of at odds um, for a while, and I think, you know, we're going into this year um, feeling a little bit more confident about that. I think there's still some work to do in terms of how we um, operate, you know, across these three teams to make sure that we are aligned. Um, you know, going forward. So, you know, we don't end up in that boat where everybody's got a different sort of objective, um, at the end of the day, but, you know, we have a a really strong, um, CX KPI. So, you know, it's, we're, we're moving overall as an organization from being product centric to being customer centric. Um, organization. And so how we bring that to life in social is something that's super important for all of our, you know, business units and for the different teams that social sits on. So that's sort of the the, the KPI that I think gets people's attention and um, everybody can kind of own and feel feel good about. So um, that's sort of a good starting point for, you know, ensuring that we're all on the same page and that, you know, we are ultimately um, working toward the same, you know, common goals.
0: I love it. That's a heck of a transformation. It sounds like you've had to go to a lot of meetings to, uh, <laughs> to, 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 to throw that out. Uh, a lot of
2: meetings, a lot of decks, a lot of, uh, yeah. a lot of pitches. Yeah.
0: This is all interesting that you're the head of global social strategy at Lenovo and everybody thinks that's fantastic and you've been a terrific guest. But what's really important here is the fact that you were on Wheel of Fortune because what you don't know, Sarah O'Grady, <laughs> is that I was named most likely to be a game show host in high school. Get and the only th- it's a true story. The only thing that I would do, I love my job. I would do this job for free. I'm glad I don't have to, but I would. The only job that I would do in this world, other than my job, is if I could host The Price is Right. Now, if anything ever happens <laughs> to Drew Carey, if Drew Carey's ever like, I'm done, I'm sick of it, I am on that audition. I'm first in line for that. But Wheel of Fortune is a close second for me. And you... You, Sarah O'Grady, who moonlights as the head of global social strategy for Lenovo, were actually a Wheel of Fortune contestant. That is a true story.
2: That is a true story.
0: And, and, and yeah. was that a lifelong dream? Or you just like woke up and said, hey, I don't have anything to do today. got Let's go make this happen.
2: <laughs> no, um, it wasn't actually. Um, when I was in college, they came to my university and they did a, a casting. And a friend of mine um, was really interested in auditioning and I tagged along and decided I would, you know, do the audition as well since I had waited in line long enough. Um, and I was selected for it and flew out to LA to Culver City. And, um, at the time my dad flew out with me and it was a pretty surreal experience. I will say the wheel is incredibly heavy and we had to go through, um, some, wheel spinning training which
1: (laughs) was
2: uh it's like crossfit it's it's you know pre-crossfit um yeah it was it was a pretty fun experience but you know i would have made it up to the final round i i messed up on the ozark mountains i'll tell you i'll never i'll never forget uh ozark mountains ever again that was uh did you misspell Ozark or mountains?
0: Because that's an important distinction.
2: <laughs> well, I just I just didn't know that, the clue. Didn't know, so. didn't
0: know. Well, I, no, I did not know did, did your friend get to go on the show as well? Or you, or she took you? To the no. And you stole her spot? She, oh, wow. I stole her
2: what spot. What a yeah. bitch. I'm yeah. sure
0: that yeah. was a... Well, was that a killer? <laughs> that was it. She Are we still friends? friends? Yeah.
2: yeah. 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 Yeah, I think yeah, she didn't hold it against me. Yeah,
0: that's good. That's what she said to your face.
2: Um, yeah, exactly, exactly.
0: Your your interesting background didn't stop there though, right, Adam?
1: That, that's right. You know, if if this show ended, Sarah O'Grady with your your Wheel of Fortune um, experience, uh, we would have had a, a a trifecta of show. But but during that same similar college time or post college time. You interned for one of the most famous or infamous radio shows in all the land. You interned with Howard Stern.
2: I did. That I did.
1: Now, how do you get a job like that?
2: Well, I knew that I wanted to um, get a media internship. I wasn't quite sure if I wanted to pursue a career in um, print or in radio. I had a lot of sort of feelers out there and I knew that I, I wanted to go to New York. I wanted to do an internship in New York. And so I basically combed every possible um, journalism and media uh, internship opportunity and Howard Stern uh, was one of them. And um, I applied for it and, you know, wrote a, a compelling enough letter and, um, managed to score a spot. And I ended up spending a summer as Robin Quiver's news intern, um, where I um, trekked to um, 57th Street at 5.30 in the morning back in the days of terrestrial radio, when the show started at 6 a.m. on, uh, on the radio. And um, yeah, I, it, was, it was an incredible experience. I really, um, I learned a lot. I learned that I did not want to go into radio, um, but yeah, it it was, it was wild. It was a wild ride.
0: That is amazing. I'm sure we could do a whole show just on Howard and Robin observations, but we'll save that for a follow-up extravaganza. Uh, Absolutely. You also mentioned that you, uh, have award-winning guacamole and as a, uh, guacamole devotee, I, I want I want to know your secret your secret tip. What is your big guacamole ingredient advice?
2: Well, if I tell you that, I might have to kill you. So <laughs> you could give me a hint, or at <laughs> least uh, at least put you through extreme IT. <laughs> oh wow!
0: Okay, that's oh. it. That's it. Uh, well,
2: so so what it came down to was I love guacamole, and I lived in New York for thirteen years. And as anybody who's been to New York or lived in New York knows, cocktails are you know starting at fifteen dollars these days, and a bowl of guacamole is probably eighteen to twenty bucks. It's pretty insane, but you know every time we went out for Mexican, I said, you know, I can do that. This. Well, this is crazy. This is crazy that it's like an, one avocado they're putting in this thing. And it's so good, but you know, we're spending so much money. I can make this at home. I can figure this out. And I took a few months and tr- through trial and error, my husband was my, uh, you know, my taster and um, through trial and error, I, I landed it and he finally said, "You know, you you've done it. You've, <laughs> you've created. It. You, you've <laughs> figured out the recipe, the formula for the best guacamole. Put a man so on the moon. That's that's right. That's right. So I'm. Um, I don't know if I can uh, ever, you know, turn that into a, a business. I don't know if uh, if that would work."
0: Well, I think you already have the same commitment to testing and optimization, (laughs) iterative process. It sounds an awful lot like social media algorithms to me, but with avocados, it's the same process.
2: That's, That's a good point.
1: See, that's why i mean That's why we're doing the show. And both situations. That's why they pay
2: you the big bucks. Right. We're
1: unfulfilled. We didn't get an answer to that secret. No, we didn't. <laughs> uh, yeah, but we'll, we'll we'll
0: we'll we'll take that off air. Uh, Sarah O'Grady is the head of global social strategy at Lenovo. She's been our guest here on episode 316 of Social Pros. Just a quick reminder uh, that you can get every single episode in the whole eight-year history of the show transcripts, recordings, links to special information and stuff at socialpros.com. Sarah, I'm going to ask you the two questions that we've asked every single one of our guests since the very beginning. Are you ready? Sure. Question number one, what one tip would you give somebody who's looking to become a social pro?
2: What one tip? I would say take risks. Take risks. If you, if you have an idea, you know, don't ever start a sentence with, this is probably a terrible idea. I think the best ideas sound awful at first. <laughs> they sound awful in your head. Um, if you look at some of the most successful, you know, ad campaigns for social campaigns, you know, if you, if you break that down and you sort of rewind back to, you know, the pitch meeting, can you imagine, you know, pitching half of this stuff to, you know, to the client? I mean, it's just crazy. Budweiser, you know, look back to that, that Budweiser, um, what's up spot. Do you remember that? It's oh, yeah. like the guys on the phone. Could you oh, imagine yeah. going into Budweiser and you've got, you know, $10 Leza. million. Dollars. Yeah, that was, that $10 million good, huh? on the table and, and saying, okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a guy and he's going to pick up a phone and he's going to call another guy and he's just going to go, what's up? Like, it just sounds crazy. <laughs> it sounds ludicrous. You know, it doesn't sound like <laughs> You're anything, like, yeah, what's the
0: rest of the spot? No, that's it. That's, the, no, that's it. No, that's it. That's
2: it. Yeah, that's it. So, you know, and similar with extreme IT, you know, we're going to take employees and we're going to torment them. Um, In the name of explaining technology, well, that doesn't, they're not going to let you do that. That's not right. (laughs) It just sounds crazy. So, you know, I say, I would say just take risks and, you know, bring those ridiculous ideas to the table because they're often the ones that really shine and rise to the top.
0: Uh, That's fantastic. And certainly um, the road to disruption starts with uh, an unusual idea in most cases. Last question for Sarah O'Grady, head of global social strategy at Lenovo is, if you could do a Skype or Zoom call with uh, with any living person, who would it be and why? Perhaps Howard Stern. Hmm. <laughs> you know him? I've perhaps had, uh, perhaps yeah. Pat Sajak or Vanna White for, or Robin.
2: Uh, yeah, um, probably not. If I had one uh, one chance here. I uh, I'm going a- to go with a really random answer and i'm going to say queen elizabeth wow
1: that yeah. is a
0: new one we've never had a queen one. elizabeth in the in the entire history of this. we've had a lot of oprahs and a lot of president obamas and a lot yeah,
2: of that's, and
0: a lot was, of brit's on the show that have That's been.
2: expected but yeah. but have you seen the crown
0: yes i have love you that watched it so, so
2: i mean it just that woman has a lot of secrets she's got a lot of she's lived a lot of life and i would love to just chat her up
0: and i love that i want to know know what's in her handbag yes what (laughs) is in that handbag probably a blackberry one of those old ones I love that show too, The Crown, how, how they're doing uh, two seasons and then recasting the whole show and then doing two more seasons and recasting the whole show because as the characters age, obviously they need different actors to play each role. So just a really interesting way of making television as well.
2: Absolutely. Really well done.
1: Way of keeping your cost down
0: too. it's <laughs> yeah. a good point, Adam. Nobody gets too big for their britches here. You get two right. years
1: and then you're kicked Adam, out of the show. Adam, I need to talk to you right after the... Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, that's, how it, that's how Social Pros <laughs> works too. Every, every two years we switch out co-hosts too. Uh, <laughs> just works out that way, Sarah. Thank you so much for being on the program. It was fantastic to talk to you. Congratulations on all the success, of Lenovo. We'll make sure to uh, to link up the Extreme IT content. But, ladies and gentlemen, just go to uh, YouTube or go to Lenovo social channels, and you'll find it. It is hilarious. And uh, kudos to you and the whole team and your coworkers for being so uh, uh, you know lighthearted about being attacked by dogs and eating salsa, etc., while doing highly technical descriptions. It's pretty
2: great. Awesome. Thank you so much. The next uh, round as a little teaser involves cockroaches. So stay tuned. Uh, I can't
0: wait. I can't wait. Cock- cockroaches, <laughs> guacamole, Howard Stern, Wheel of Fortune. It's the greatest episode, greatest episode ever. Yeah, really good. Oh,
2: thanks, guys. Thanks for
0: Thanks for listening to Social Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to socialpros.com for a complete show archive and for our greatest hits. Social Pros is sponsored by Convince & Convert, Salesforce Marketing Cloud, and by Yext, and is produced by my team and I at Convince & Convert Media. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show,
2: visit us at convinceandconvert.com.